you can feel the presence of God. I mean, it's not all about emotion and feeling, but I feel God right now. I feel him. He's here right now. And when he shows up, the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. When God shows up, it's impossible for nothing to happen. Amen. If you will allow him into your life, it's impossible for you to stay the same. Amen. It's impossible to keep walking down the same road if you will allow God into your life. Amen. God is so good. Amen. I'm just so thankful. I know I talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. I'm just thankful to be a part of the church. I'm just thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Pete, this morning for that message on thankfulness. That was excellent. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it. But today we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 in verse 24. I'm thankful for a great move of God. But uh, we, need, we need some word with the, with the Spirit. And uh, we could have just went on and worshipped, and I believe God could have, could have worked through that, but I believe that we need spirit and truth today. And I do believe um, wholeheartedly that God has a message for the church today. Every, every now and then, as a preacher, you kind of get a win, and God just downloads a message into your system. It doesn't always work that way. But I feel like this message was just downloaded, and I just pray that you would receive it um, as God would want you to today. Exodus chapter 50, in verse 24, it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, he said, I'm, I'm, I die. He said, I'm going to die. He says, And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And today, with the help of the Lord, with this title, I'm going to preach a coffin in Egypt, a coffin in Egypt. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. Genesis is probably my favorite book of the Bible. There's so much there. There's, so, there's a lot of story there. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of foundation that's laid. And it's interesting that the, the last book of, the last few words of this book are a coffin in Egypt. And today I'm going to declare to you this morning that this coffin in Egypt is not final. This coffin that is spoken of in this verse, its final resting place is not Egypt. Amen? Just to give you a little context in this story, uh, we read, we're reading the end of Joseph's life, and, and Joseph had quite the journey. We talk about Joseph a lot. 
But he was taken as a slave into Egypt when he was about 17 years of age. And, and we know that he was betrayed by his family, betrayed by his brothers, and he was um, sold into slavery. And we read of uh, where he ended up in Potiphar's house, and he worked his way up in Potiphar's house, and then he was falsely accused of some things, and he ended up in prison. And uh, in the prison, he worked himself up, and he, he uh, was able to interpret some dreams, and he was hoping that these guys would remember him when they got out, and, and uh, they, he didn't remember him, and, and he was forgotten about in prison. And he, Joseph went through all these things, and about 13 years had passed, um, and uh, Joseph miraculously, by the hand of God, became ruler and in command of all of Egypt. And, and through all these trials and tribulations, God had a plan in it. And of course, we read, we read the story, and, and the, uh, Israel escaped the great famine through the, hand, through the plan of God, through Joseph. And, and Israel was really saved because of Joseph. They, they saved the, the harvest up for the seven years of plenty and uh, for the seven years of famine that were coming. And Joseph became the savior for Israel, and the Savior for his family. And it said that they dwelt in the, uh, they came, they all came to Egypt, and there was this little plot of land that they were allotted to, and it was the land of Goshen. And years had passed, and, and uh, Joseph's father, Jacob, had passed away. And now Joseph, being 110 years old, uh, was on his deathbed. And he had experienced a lot in his life. He had highs and he had lows. He had ups and he had downs. He had victories and it seemed that he had some losses. But now Israel was in Egypt, which is a pagan nation. And their father Jacob had passed away. And now the one who had been part of their great escape from death was passing away. Their, their Joseph had died. And the truth was that there was some hard years coming for the children of Israel in Egypt. E Israel would spend approximately another 300 years after the death of Joseph in, Egypt's, in Egypt, slaved to this pagan nation. So things were, were looking bleak. They, were looking, they weren't looking good. And things were really getting ready to be harder for the children of Israel. And we read on in Exodus that there, was a, there came a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And they laid a great burden on the children of Israel. And they, they became slaves and they, they had taskmasters over them. And and uh, they were living in a terrible environment, enslaved to Egypt. And Egypt was doing everything they could to stop the multiplication and the growth of the Israelites. They even issued a, a decree saying that all the, the male Hebrew boys would be killed, subtracting them one by one. And the truth is, is that the enemy will do anything he can to stop the church. He doesn't want multiplication. He doesn't want us to grow exceedingly. Okay, he wants us to, he want, the, the growth that the enemy has in mind for the church is subtraction. One 
by one. So they were in this place. They found themselves enslaved to this pagan nation. But Joseph, at the end of his life, he made a declaration that was based on the promise of God. And we can go back in Genesis 15. We can read of this promise. In Genesis 15 and verse 13, it says, And he said unto Abram, this is the Lord speaking, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. So there was a promise that was given to Abraham of this land, this promised land that flowed with milk and honey. We read in Genesis 12, it says, The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them, and bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So this was the promise that was given to Abraham, and it was going to be passed on to, to Isaac and to Jacob, and Joseph knew of this promise. So on his deathbed... He had no problem declaring the promise of God. He had no problems declaring that when God delivers you, he said, when God delivers you. He didn't say, if God delivers you. He said, God, he didn't say, God can deliver you. He said, when God delivers you out of this country. When he delivers you out of Egypt, I want you to bring my coffin out with you. Don't leave me buried in Egypt. He knew of the promise that had been promised to his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said, take my bones with you. Take my coffin with you when God delivers you. The faith of Joseph and understand that Joseph didn't live an easy life. Understand that he could have given up faith pretty easily when he was completely rejected and betrayed by his family. He could have given the faith up when he was falsely accused. He could have given up when things didn't look like they were going so good. He could have been influenced by the, the paganism of Egypt when he was living in the land. But Joseph kept the faith because he knew of the promise of God. Until the very end... Until the very end, Joseph held on to the promise. And we read other scriptures in the Bible. Exodus 13 and 19 says, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. So Moses, in faith, he took the bones of Joseph when they exited out of Egypt. 
And, and they were all with the children of Israel all the years in the wilderness. They, they, these bones of Joseph traveled with the Israelites all the way to the promised lands. And these bones, this coffin that was first in Egypt was not a sign of discouragement. It wasn't there as a hindrance. It wasn't unwanted baggage and extra weight. That's not what the bones of Joseph were. But it says that Moses took them on their exodus because Joseph had declared that God would deliver them out of Egypt. Amen. So they were a sign of faith and they were a sign of belief that God was going to deliver them, that they were going somewhere. And God was going to lead them to this promised land. They reminded them of the promises of God. That there was a land waiting for them that flowed with milk and honey. They would carry the bones all through the 40 years in the wilderness. And it reminded them that God was taking them somewhere. Amen. This coffin that was in Egypt was not final. And I really believe today that somebody needs to be reminded of some old promises that God has spoke into your life. You can grab a hold of what God has said and you can declare it today. I mean, it's okay to remind yourself every now and then of what God has spoken. Your circumstances in the perspective of the human eye today may not lend itself to believe that God is doing anything. That's the truth. Sometimes we look around with our human eye and it doesn't always look like God is doing something. It doesn't look like he's making a way for these promises to come to pass. But we are a people that are called to walk by faith. And we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Not by what we see in the physical. We do not see in the moment all the time what God is doing in the spiritual realm. That's why we sing songs. We sing songs about we don't, we don't see it, but we believe it. Amen. We, if you're still moving, then I'm still going to wait. I know you're moving, so I'm going to have faith to continue Amen, to wait for you, God. We do not always understand what God is up to. Because all we see sometimes is the physical. But today I want to just remind you of a few of the promises of God. I was just looking and studying for this message, and there's, there's a lot of promises of God in the Scripture. A few people said that there's approximately 7,000 promises of God in Scripture. I did not count them myself. But I'm here to tell you that here's what God has said. He said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise from God. He says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. That pull from God is a promise. He won't, put, he won't put more on you than you can bear. Thank God for that. 
Amen. When you feel like you're, you're, you're ready to be crushed, just remember that God won't put more on you than you can handle. That's a promise from God. He has an expected end for you. Amen. He has good things in store for you. Amen. He, I said last week, he's already paved a way for you to walk. That's a promise of God. Each and every single one of you has an opportunity that God has put before you. That's a promise from God. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. What he started in your life, God wants to finish. He desires to finish it. That's a promise from God. He didn't leave you. He's not going to forsake. He's not going to leave you on the side of the street. You're not washed up. You, you haven't messed up too much. God wants to finish what he started in your life. Amen. These are just some of the promises of God. He's faithful. Amen. And he's just to forgive. Amen. The Bible says that he delights in mercy. Wow. That, every time I think about that scripture, I'm like, God loves to give mercy. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are everlasting. When you mess up, when you sin, he can't wait to, to forgive you. That's a promise from God. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a God who's on our side, who wants the best for us? His grace is sufficient. Amen. His peace, they pass, it passes all understanding. Amen. He, he daily loadeth us, loadeth us with benefits. We read that this morning in Psalms. He said he will be with us that he will strengthen us, that he will uphold us. Amen. He will give us life and life more abundantly. These are the promises that we have from God today. And I could go on and on about the promises of God. And, and today there's some people in this room that you've been given specific promises. God has spoken to you specifically. Those promises are not in a coffin in Egypt. Okay, that's not where they're at. But they're here today, and they're still alive. Amen. They're still, it's still something that God wants to do in your life. Does anybody believe that? If God speaks it, it's true. It's eternal. Amen. God, God uh, he's, he, he doesn't go back on his promises. What does it say? The gifting and, and the callings of God are without repentance. Like if God speaks it, it's true. He's, even regardless of your circumstance, he still intends for that to happen in your life. Okay? He doesn't pull the promise from you just because you've messed up. Okay? You can walk away from the promise, but if you'll come back, that promise is still there. That plan is still there. Okay? That's our God. So I'm going to ask this question then. What is the key for the promises of God to come to pass in my life? I think we've all maybe been there. Like, God, I'd really like for this to happen. 
I'd re- you know, you, you spoke it. You said you would do this. I'd, I'd like for this to happen. So what is the key for these promises to come to pass in our life? And there's really just one simple answer to that. It's faith. It's faith. And I'm going to try to maybe just practical, practicalize faith a little bit today. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's, he says, for by it, for by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We go down to verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the key to, for, the, for the plan of God to happen in our lives is faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we look at that word substance, and it literally means um, something that you would stand on top of, something that supports you. It's the foundation of the house in which we stand. So faith is really the foundation of what we hope for. It's the confidence of, what, of the things that we hope for. We look at evidence, the word evidence in the scripture, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence simply means conviction or proof. And it's inward con- conviction from God that, we, um, that what he has promised he will perform. So we have to live, so faith is living in a fashion and in a way that shows that we believe what God has said. So, and we, so we, we live out what God has said. And I'm going to explain this to you. There's a quote that I read. It says, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. So none of us here today has ever seen heaven. Maybe God's given somebody a glimpse. I don't know. From what I know, nobody here has seen heaven. But we believe that it exists. Amen? The word declares it. We hope for it. We sing about it. We dream about it. We dream about the pearly gates and the streets of gold. We dream about seeing Jesus face to face. Amen. We sing songs. I I can only imagine what it'll be like. Amen. When we, will I dance for you? I don't know the lyrics, but we sing songs about this. Seeing Jesus for the first time. And that's really what we're living for today. But we don't see it now. We aren't there yet. But because of our faith and our belief in it, we live in a way believing that God has prepared this place for us. That's called walking in faith. 
Amen. We sing about it. We read about it. We talk about it. We dream about it. We think about it. We act like we're going there. But we've never seen it. And we're not there yet. So that's faith in action. That's how we walk in faith. Faith is not a blinded optimism or an emotional feeling. So again, trying to make this as simple as possible, and sometimes we maybe make the mistake of over-spiritualizing faith. But true faith is just simply believing and obeying the Word of God. That's what faith is. It's simply believing and obeying the Word of God, despite everything else that's going on. That's what faith is. Despite our circumstances, despite what we see, despite what we think, despite our own intellect, despite our feelings, and despite our emotions, despite what the devil is whispering in your ear, he's still a liar, and God's word is still true. Despite all these things going on around us, faith is just holding on and believing and obeying the word of God. Amen. Amen. Faith is putting one foot in front of the other and committing that next step to God. Wow, that's just so simple. Faith is making the next right decision. That's all it is. Faith is is making the next decision that would be according to the word of God when everything else is telling you that you should make another decision. That's what faith is. We read in Hebrews 11, and this is such a great chapter, they call it the hall of faith, and we read that by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. We read that story, and, and Cain thought he had a better way. He thought he had a different way. But Abel just stuck to what he knew was right. He stuck to what he had been taught when he gave his offering, and he offered it with faith. By faith, Enoch, it says that Enoch walked with God and that he was translated. And understand in Enoch's day that there was wickedness, corruption, and violence. This was right before the days of Noah. And they were eating and drinking and, and being merry. Life, uh, the, the, the world at the time was very wicked and God had repented that he had ever made mankind and he was getting ready to destroy it through the, through the, ark, through the flood and, and had the plan of the ark uh, with, with Noah. But amongst all that, amongst all the pressure and what was going on around Enoch, Enoch walked with God because it was right. He walked by faith Despite everything else going on around him, despite what the world was doing around him, he walked with God by faith. It says that by faith, Noah moved with fear. And by faith, he prepared an ark. There had never been a flood before, perhaps even a rainstorm. And he was building in the, the ark in the middle of a desert, a big boat, And we understand that the the ridicule that he must have faced, but he just continued to build 
the ark, everything around him, his whole world around him told him that he was crazy. But he continued to work and he built an ark. For 120 years, he built this boat by faith because God had spoken and Noah believed it. Abraham, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. God called Abraham from his home country and away from his family. And he didn't, the Bible says he didn't even know where he was going. God didn't even completely reveal to him exactly where he was going. But it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed God. He walked. He obeyed because God had spoken. He looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Abraham walked. And we continue reading, by faith, Abraham, or Moses, excuse me, Moses refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter's son. He could have kept enjoying the pleasures of the palace of Pharaoh in Egypt, but instead he chose to suffer the affliction with the people of God. And by faith, he forsook Egypt, because Moses knew what was right, and by faith, God used him to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, and by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. So walking in faith isn't necessarily a joyride on cloud nine. I'm just going to be real for a little bit, okay? It's just not always a joyride up in the clouds. It's not always a bed of roses. It comes with trials. It comes with tribulation. Amen, faith requires works. Faith requires endurance. Faith is for the long haul. Faith is for the long haul. And the truth of it is, is that we live in a, a microwave result-driven society. That we want it now. We want to see it now. We want the reward up front. That's where we get all this entitlement and, you know, they complain about the millennials and the Gen Zers and we don't really want to work our way up and this and that. That's really what it comes from. And I believe that, that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I believe that he does reward us. So we can walk and endure right now in the circumstance and in the trial because we know that God will reward. I don't need the reward first to walk the walk. I believe God, so I'm going to walk the walk and God will take care of the reward later. And that's faith. He will take care of us. We work 40 hours a week, understanding and knowing that we will get paid when we are done. We don't have to worry about the paycheck because we know it's coming. We believe it's coming. We have faith that that check will be deposited in your account. So we just show up to work with a smile on our face, do the very best we can. We have joy doing it. We take pride in our work. And at the end of the week, the money's in the bank account. Sometimes we have more faith in our boss than we do God. 
Because we work first, then we get paid. And in, the, in this scenario, we could continue living in the house that, that we have because you know that that paycheck's coming and you'll know you'll be able to make that payment at the end of the month. That's, that's just faith. That's believing what's going to happen. A farmer every year. I'm just really simplifying this tonight. Today. It's noon. <laughs> I haven't been preaching that long. I'm just really trying to simplify faith. A farmer every year, Brother Slate, he knew I was getting ready to call you out. He had his head down. But every year he just goes to work, getting those tractors ready, oiling them up, you know, fixing them. He has a lot of fixing because it has John Deere right here. Goes out, works the ground, picks rocks, sprays for weeds, and then you plant the seed. And you believe that as you plant that seed, that that seed is going to be buried in the ground and it's going to decay and there's a death of the seed, a burial of the seed, and somehow that seed is going to grow up into a plant. It's, that's amazing if you think about it. Jesus talks about how amazing that is. But a farmer just, he goes and he, he does the work believing that there's going to be a harvest. Believing that there's going to be a crop and a yield at harvest time. That's just simple faith. You, you do the work first, you're walking in faith because you know there's a reward. And the truth of it is, is if you just walk in faith, if you just sow good things, biblical things, if you live right, God will take care of you. It's just simple. A farmer doesn't have to harvest in spring. He doesn't take grain to the bins when he's picking rocks. But he does all the necessary work without immediate results, believing that there will be a crop to harvest come fall. And I'm here to just tell you today that if you, if you will just continue to do what is right, things will work out. They just will. It's the law of God. It's the law of the harvest. That if you will sow good things, you will reap good things. And as you're sowing, as you're sowing, just enjoy the journey. And don't always worry about the results. Don't always worry about the end game, if you will. That's hard for us. It's hard for me because I want the results. And, and oftentimes, I, even in the, in the business world, you, 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 you really base all your decisions on results. That's, I'm, I'm finding out quickly that's not how the kingdom of God works because we're just called to be faithful. Abraham never did see the promised land. But he just continued 
to walk in faith and believe that this promised land would be to his heirs. And today, if we will just do what God wants us to do, despite everything else, God will take care of it. That's just so simple, isn't it? But it's the truth. It's just the simple truth. Hebrews 11 and verse 22. We read of Joseph here, going back to our original story. It says, by faith, Joseph, when he died, he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. On his deathbed, Joseph had faith in the promise of God, even though he wasn't able to see it with his own eyes. And we read in Joshua that the bones of Joseph were buried in Shechem. They were, they were taken out of Egypt with Moses, and they were buried in the promised land. And if I can say this, you may think that your promises are buried in a coffin in Egypt. And that's a lie. So don't go back to Egypt digging for your promises. It seems that your promises were left back in Egypt. But I'm here to tell you that your promises are in the promised land. Okay? They are available today. And God wants them to come to pass in your life. He has a plan. And you know, I love the kingdom of God. I, I believe in miracle signs and wonders. I love seeing, you know, we were in the Philippines and we seen great miracles and this little boy had never walked before he walked. I, I love seeing all that stuff. And I'm all for it. And I hope we can see more of it. But the truth is, is living for God is, is a daily thing. That you, we don't live from one hype moment to the next. We don't live from one mountaintop experience to the next. But the truth of it is, is that there's valleys in between. There's circumstances. We, we love Psalms 23, but understand that David was writing that psalm in the middle of a valley. So as you walk by faith through the trials, through the tribulations, through the rejection, through the hurt, sometimes through the, 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 the you don't understand what's going on, just keep walking by faith. And God promises that it will all work out in the end. And the cool thing is, is as you walk, you don't have to hang your head because you know that he's going to do it. That's faith. Let's stand in this place. I, I, this message was very simple, but sometimes we just forget the simple things. So today... In your situation, maybe in your doubt, in your grief, whatever it may be, today, all you got to do is just take the next right step. 
in faith. Amen. I wonder, we're going to open up the altars as the musicians come. And if you want to come and pray. And that I, I just pray, I, I, my hope today is that there would be some people here that would just pound that stake back in the ground. And, and maybe you've lost faith a little bit. Maybe you've just gone astray a little bit. I'm here to tell you that the Father is waiting with wide open arms. And his promises and his plan for you are still there. But the key is for you to just continue to walk by faith. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy today. God, I pray that you would just have your hand upon this church today. God, that you would do a mighty work, God, in every family. God, that we would just keep the faith. God, I know that there's trials and there's circumstances around us. But God, despite all those, I'm just going to continue to do what is right. I'm going to continue to follow after your word, God, and seek you. God, in the name of Jesus, the altar's open. Let's come and pray. Jesus.